Hi, I'm Jake Cornell. I'm a comedian in New York City, and for the past 10 years, I've been living and breathing the restaurant industry. This is a show where I'll be talking to comedians, actors, bartenders, chefs, and restaurant owners about all things going out. We'll talk about restaurants, bars, staying in, drinking, not drinking, and whatever else we want. This is Going Out with Jake Cornell. It's Jake again. This week's episode is really one for the cocktail nerds. Um, I guess this week uh, she has done so much on TikTok and Instagram to educate the masses on cocktail history, cocktail construction, cocktail design, cocktail creation. Um, she has made cocktails far more beautiful than anything I have made because I don't have the patience for a garnish. Um, this is an episode that is really for the cocktail nerds. If you're a wine drinker, I'm sorry, this might not be the one for you, but please still listen because our guest is absolutely wonderful. You may know her online as Spirited LA, but please enjoy me going out with Hannah Chamberlain. Um, I've been following you for a very long time, uh, and I really, I, it's funny because I always joke, like, and I am not, I always describe myself as like, and at my core, a dive bar bartender. I was a bartender <laughs> for 10 years and I kind of like come from the opposite. I worked at a lot of fancy cocktail bars, but I was, my like original jobs were in like high speed dive bar places. And so oh, amazing. <laughs> every time I see like the fancy cocktail thing, I always like, there's like an anxiety that builds inside of me that I, now that I don't work in the industry, I'm like slowly undoing. <laughs> Cause I'm like, that's, and trying to so build funny. my comfortability com- around it. I have the complete opposite anxiety. I The only <laughs> actual food experience I have is I worked at Starbucks for three weeks when I was 19. And I could not handle the speed of that. I mean, like, I was just dried milk from head to toe, always behind. Everyone's screaming. I was a nightmare at speed. If I can't, like, slowly mince around and delicately do totally. things at my own pace, it's a disaster. So well, I, I think that's so much respect for that. And I have so much respect for like for you and what you do. I think because of that, because it is so nice to be like, because I my experience with in working with cocktails and frankly like drinking cocktails and just anything about it is all centered around being a bartender and being in a, mostly a New York bartender. It's like it's about like speed and efficiency. And like if I see a nice garnish, I'm like I, I don't have time to make a hundred of those, so I don't want to like. It's just and <laughs> okay. remembering like that there's you can do it at home and you can do it in a way that's like so nice and really celebratory of the thing itself and not thinking about it in the context of a business or like a machine or like a menu. And I, right. I have never, <clears throat> I hadn't, I had forgotten you could think about cocktails in that way. And I think it's so special what you do in that regard. It's definitely completely opposite. Um, I have friends who are bartenders who will like look at glassware I'm using or something on Instagram. <laughs> and they're like, no one can drink out of that. It would get stolen. It would get broken. This is the most impractical, insane. Can you even pick this up to drink out of it? And I'm like, well, yes, you just have to slowly putz around and take this. I mean, it's totally, but- totally different. And when I've tried to bartend like behind a bar a little with, with friends and bartenders, I'm just, my mind is blown. Like, everything going in a particular way and the memory of how it works and the speed. I'm just like, it's like a dance. It's beautiful. So 
yeah, I'm curious. I want to hear a little bit about the story of you falling in love with, I'm, I'm assuming you love cocktails based on your I career. absolutely do, yes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious. I want to just hear, you know, we talk about on the show a lot. It's all about going out. And, uh-huh. you know, I'm assuming that that was a big part of your your journey. And so I just, I'm curious to hear more about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I fell in love with cocktails in LA uh, and it it started out with my going to bars and watching bartenders create these beautiful things and and tasting things I'd never had before. I love the fact that it's a mix between science and history and then also you get drunk and it tastes great. So that's a (laughs) huge added bonus. Um, But I think then one of my friends who was a, a dive bar bartender she whipped up something that would no longer be my favorite cocktail, but it was like a pomegranate, vanilla, vodka, you know, marshmallowy thing in her kitchen. And for some reason up to that point, I always thought of cocktail making as something that had to happen in this special space. Like yeah. it had to happen in like almost like a, you know, a lab. And totally. there's no way you could whip up something that looked good at home. And I think yeah. that was the moment for me when I went, okay, so if I get the right bottles and I get the right equipment, I might not be as fast as a lot of bartenders, but I can, I can create something quality at home. And uh, from there, there's some great, great uh, bottle shops in LA, um, some very patient, nice bartenders who answered a ton of questions and uh, a lot of very, very bad cocktails that were like two ounces of St. Germain and like a dash of rum <laughs> and you know, just like <laughs> insane bad experimentation in the beginning. Uh, so it was, it was very uh, fun, took a little while, but yes. And then making them for friends and family, coworkers was a big one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was very motivating. Uh, that, that all really cemented my love of it. How about That's, you? I'd love to know what got you started. I started, well, I started bartending when I was 18 at a dive bar, or I shouldn't call it a dive bar. It was a pub in England. <laughs> ah, um, so nice. I, a dive bar paints a little bit of a different picture than what it was, but <laughs> Um, I guess my start with cocktails was at that place. So it was a pub. So you couldn't really order, um, like in pub cult, like you can't order like a Cosmo at a pub. Like there's not, there's no jiggers. There's no liqueurs even really. There's definitely no citrus juice. Um, so like it's mixed drinks. You could probably order it, but what you get back would be an exciting adventure. (laughs) (laughs) But like. No, but like, frankly, it, it, you, it would be considered like out of place to order something like that in a, a space like that over there. And I think right. we would have just said, we would just say, no, sorry, we don't have that. And, <laughs> yeah. but then there was this thing they did, they started to do, which was on Thursday nights when I worked at this bar, they put together a cocktail team and we did like mm-hmm. cocktail night in this like satellite, satellite bar in a different room of the bar. And we would make it was the whole premise of it. It was like a student, it was a pub that was very popular among students. So obviously mm. things being cheap was very, um, the selling point of everything. And so it was, you could get, cause you can make two cocktails in one shaker. We would do two for seven pound cocktails and we would be like four deep at the bar for like three and a half hours. Just oh like, and I was 19, like I was a kid and we were just like making, co- and I was living my full fantasy. I was like a busy cocktail bartender in England. I was 19 and like, that was so fun. So, so fun. It was like me and my friends doing it and it would be hard work, but it was like, it was so fun. And that was, and it felt cool to be like, I know how to make the cocktails. I'm the one behind the whole thing. And that was like the start of it for me with cocktails specifically. And then most of my career has worked, has been at places that were pretty wine focused. That was my Mm -hmm. like kind of selling, that was kind of my like resume 
the meat of my resume for a long time, but we always had cocktails, you know. Um, nice. I worked at the Knickerbocker Hotel, which was like where they claimed to have invented the martini. So like that yeah. was a whole cocktail thing. And then the last bar I worked at before I stopped bartending was also had a really phenomenal cocktail program. So like, but I've always been a kind of adversarial to like the complicated programs because I, I want to drink and make cocktails the way you do, which is like with this sort of like ceremony and like, appreciation and it, I think I get upset when I have to do it like under gunpoint with like so many tickets and like stress it like I like I'm like I just was wish, wishing everyone ordered you know whiskey yeah. meats and it could be done uh-huh. so I'm kind of falling I'm like you're catching me now I stopped bar t- I like transitioned to doing comedy full-time like maybe five Wonderful. six months ago yeah thank you but I'm falling in love with cocktails again in a different way because now I get to either make them for myself or go out and order them um so it's been that my journey with cocktails specifically has been kind of specific. Are you like the cocktail go-to with your friends? Like, do they always make Very you mix so. cocktails and your family yeah. and everything? Yeah. And that I love. Like, I do yeah. love like being at home and kind of being like, oh, like you want this? Like, yeah, I can do that. And like, or like someone being like, I have these four weird bottles and I'm like, let me figure uh-huh. out what to make with that. Like, that's always so, so fun. That was um, very fun for me in the beginning of quarantine, visiting my family who did not have <laughs> any kind of a bar and all they'd have is like allspice dram that I left there from like three years ago oof. and some weird vodka or something. And I'm like, totally. all right, so I've got a Tupperware, some allspice dram. Is this <laughs> being recorded right now? But it was fun. Totally. And yeah, and it's, I do enjoy all that. And I think that's what's so great about what, like watching your videos and like how you kind of talk about cocktails and stuff. It's very, what I like about it is it's very fancy and very elegant and very regal, but I wouldn't ever describe it as pretentious. Like you don't really gatekeep any information. It's very much about like, cause the thing about cocktails is it's like, it's like cooking in a way where it's kind of like, if you learn certain concepts and certain balances, you can kind of do whatever you want. Like there's no actual, I'm also very anti, like very pretentious cocktail bartending, like if it doesn't have this, it's not this. I'm like, I don't fucking care. Like it just, if it tastes good, that's <laughs> if what's it tastes good, you know? And if it tastes, that's one of the things that's been so awesome about TikTok. I think these last two years, I think Instagram got a little that way for me. Like it was really about like yeah. constant leveling up and constantly more nuanced niche, like weird to the point where like, it wasn't a cocktail I'd make it for Instagram, but it wasn't something I'd want to drink or make for my friends or family. It yeah, would just you're be something to, like, the most refined palette. Exactly. Almost. These little teeny like groups of people. Whereas TikTok, I think the most watched videos I have are like what are martini terms and how to make a Paloma in a solo cup. So it's it's very, very but they're great drinks. They're delicious. Um and anyone can make them. I know. I was thinking about that. Like I was I was thinking about your videos and your content and just everything earlier today, like getting ready for this. And I was like curious i feel like you must have a mix bartenders and like especially like the fancy cocktail bartenders i feel like a lot of them probably would i feel like there could be a reaction to your videos and stuff of being like oh no she's giving her secrets away but then also i think it's like no but like she's actually making it better for it makes my job easier as a bartender if like more people know how martinis work like so oh that they're goodness. ordering the correct thing and so by like giving that information out there it's the same with wine like it's, it's like the more we can like disseminate this information the more that people want to 
the more that people are able to like ask for what they want and explain what they want in a restaurant and in a bar. And I think that's like so great. I was like, wow, it really took, how did we get to 2020 before someone was like, let me explain to the masses how a martini works. Like what is it? Like The funny thing about that video in particular. So this year has been, I've like had like one, I'm one of those people had like one week of going out like all year. It was the most exciting time of my life. But one of those times I was at an, I was taking full advantage of it. I was ordering martinis at like, if I could order one at Denny's, I was doing it. So I ordered one at an airport and um, I asked for a dry martini and the bartender, uh, you know, put about an ounce of dry vermouth in and I was like, oh, cool. Um, I I wanted it dry. And she was like, oh, this is dry vermouth. And I was like, okay, I get how confusing this is. Like, this is a weird term and of course people are probably doing this every single day and that's sort of what made me want to make the video um and it is confusing and it does come from like god knows where most of this terminology why would we know any of this and then you're getting drinks and you're like for some reason i like that last martini and i don't like this one and i have no idea why so anyway i i agree it's nice to have that transparency there um but yes thank you for watching by the way oh my god of course no i think it's it's so true it's like it is it's not it was none of it is set up to be easily understood and easily accessible i think by like design i think it's like i said a lot of my experiences is is in wine and i do think for a period of time i think there was a i don't know that anyone has ever like maybe explicitly said this but i do think there is an idea of like part of our power is withholding this information and being Mm. the gatekeepers to it like the sommelier being the gatekeeper to the wine list has a power where it's like no, this should be collaborative. It should be like, we're all having, you know what I mean? Like there's enough expertise and enough information to go down that like everyone having a baseline knowledge is actually serviceable to the entire group. So, and I know the more, the more I learn, the more I want to keep going to bars and uh, learning from bartenders and getting exposed to all of what they know. Cause I mean, you're always, that's the other great thing about wine and spirits. There's always going to be something you don't know and something new to learn and something exciting that way. So you, so you came to it not by way of bartending. You came, you were, no. you had a, a different career and then just like this was a hobby that evolved into a job essentially. Exactly, exactly. I'm curious then because that's so opposite to my journey. I was bartending before I was like drinking out regularly. Like uh-huh. what, um, what were like the things that like, kind of, like blew your mind or you had no idea? Like what were the things that were you were learning about? You're like, wow, I had no idea about this. I think, okay, so some of it, I, one, it was my my friend who made that cocktail at home that was very exciting to me. And then I think one of the other, it's a it was a random cocktail I had at the corner door in LA uh, made by a bartender named Beau Dubois. And it was a room temperature cocktail. And he had made it for camping, which I will never do. But uh, <laughs> the idea of what goes into a room temperature cocktail made me think, that I didn't know as much about dilution, that I didn't know about what made me like cocktails, like the ingredients of temperature, dilution, all of these things coming together. And for some reason, that particular cocktail just made me realize like, it's more than flavor. It's more than like a pretty cocktail and a pretty garnish. There are so many layers to this. And I think that that sort of was one of the things that made me realize there was more meat to it that I'd like to keep going for. And books. I mean, uh, Charles H. Baker's Gentleman's Companion makes drinking sound so fun and cocktails sound <laughs> so fun. Uh, I completely yeah. fell in love with it there. And um, Lucius Beebe, uh, the, the Stork Club Bar book, I think. Uh, those were huge for me in the yeah. beginning. Um, and were you, were you, like, when you started to fall in love with cocktails, were you 
was this like when you first started going out or had you been like someone who had been like socializing in a different way beforehand? Like, or when you started drinking, did it start with cocktails or was there a period of time before that where it wasn't? There was definitely a period of time before that. Yeah. And it kind of went back and forth. I'm originally from Wisconsin and I would say that there is an early drive. Um, I think <laughs> I, I was listening to your first podcast and you are from oh, Vermont. I'm from Vermont. Yeah. Okay. So cold, Imagine the cold of Vermont, yeah. but a little less romance with the skiing and the beautiful New England setting. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, early um, experimentation. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, and they were not quality beverages. Um, so definitely got the start there. But then I spent many years dry in L.A. I was very focused on school, just really not in the scene yeah. at all. Then when I started uh, kind of getting into it, it was a bit of wine and then immediately cocktails and then all cocktails after that. That's so fun. That's so, so fun. I think that how, like, sorry, what were you going to ask? I was going to say, how about you? Were you like, you know, you went to England when you were 18, 19. So you yeah, were able to I, like get right in the. Yeah. I, it's funny. Cause I feel like the theme of this is that you and I have like opposite stories, <laughs> but it's so far, but it's like, I actually like sort of, I think by chance, like my high school had very little drinking in, in like my social circles. Uh-huh. I got drunk with my cousins once at like a 4th of July when I was 14 uh-huh. and then like nice. not again for years, you know? And, um, and then I did my freshman year of college in Burlington at, at UVM. And that was, we, I mean, we were definitely partying, but it was like, it was college partying. So it was like, right. Han- like, I remember like, this is disgusting, but like, I remember like, that was really, and this is also not the first time it's been brought up on this podcast, but like my freshman year of college was really the renaissance of one Four loco, or not even the renaissance, the emergence Amazing. of Four loco, original Four loco, and also- Incredible. You were there um, to see it. Really, on the front lines of Four loco, And then <laughs> um, Pinnacle Whipped Cream Vodka. Ooh, And so exciting. a lot of like Pinnacle Whipped Cream Vodka in Dr. Pepper, which just tastes like a, a float. It's honestly, <laughs> it, it was delicious <laughs> at the time. But it was like, it was definitely like drinking to get drunk and like partying and like in basements with red solo cups. It was, it was very that. And I didn't. Better than like, I think the like, I the glue flavored vodka that I'm pretty sure we were drinking warm, you know, yeah, out of totally. the bottle. So totally. Um, you are a true gourmet as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so yeah, and then my sophomore year was in England and that was, I mean, it was, again, it was a lot of mixed drinks. It was nothing. I wasn't, I was by no means fancy, but I remember the first, there was this, there was this like cocktail bar in Burlington that it's like one of those things where it's funny because it's like living in Burlington. I I would have told you this was the fanciest place on the planet. Oh, I, I like, love it. This place is like luxury. This place is everything. And like, now I go and I'm like realizing it was like so tacky. Like it was just not <laughs> like what I thought it was at all. But I, th- that was the first place I had a Negroni. Uh, and I think like, life for changing. Me, oh, it honestly kind of was, which is like so pretentious. I feel like, to, like, I'm, I don't know. Like I, I, it's hard for me to take myself seriously enough to say that, but it is true. Like I remember having the, a Negroni and Luna exam for the first time and like being like, holy fuck. Because I, yeah. like, I think like, you know, everything else I had had up until that point, like, was like you know a, a mixed drink like a vodka soda or like a um like a I don't know a whiskey ginger or then I bartended at a margarita bar so it was like a lot of margaritas uh-huh. and all of those flavors made sense to me because it's like it's the components you've had before like I'd done right. shots of tequila I had had lime I'd had so it's like I knew and it was sweet and like that all made sense and I feel like so much is intuitively pleasant too it's yeah like- and then the Negroni I, like, I remember having the first sip of a Negroni and it was like it was gin, which I had probably had before, but I also like thought I hated gin until the uh-huh. because I, I really am um, 
until recently I really was against tonic water and and was Uh, an idiot child who didn't understand that what I was tasting was the tonic not the gin my husband is like that he's like so not into it so I I get it yeah well I've recently started to like get into um the fever tree line of tonics are I don't know if you've had any of them are yes absolutely stunning and I I would have told you before that like I I would have been like I hate tonic like I just don't do it um, but like the Mediterranean tonic and the cucumber tonic, uh, they have the cucumber are one so- is so good. Oh, uh, the cucumber one is insane, and I've I was never drinking like, that all summer. I couldn't believe it. I had it for the yeah. first time, like maybe like three nights ago, and I was like, "Holy shit!" But so yeah, so back then, I just remember like when I had that sip of the Negroni, it was like Campari gin and sweet vermouth. I'd probably never in my life ingested sweet vermouth or Campari at that point, uh-huh. and I just remember being like, "Whoa." Like this is confusing and compli- and like complicated and like like I don't it was like it it was like a fr- it felt like a first kiss or something it was like so yeah. much all at once but I, and I like loved it and that was kind of the start of me like really loving cocktails and then we started there was like a the after bar for my bar was a martini bar and so then uh. we were drinking but that I and my early martini days was like just a lot of a lot of olive juice, like dirty, uh-huh. dirty, dirty martinis, uh-huh. which is not really the vibe anymore, but that's what it was for a while. Yeah. Martinis are so interesting to me right now. I feel like, I feel like, and maybe this isn't true in New York, but I feel like up until two, three years ago, maybe it's the quarantine. People still had this idea that martinis were like, oh, you just want to order a big glass of gin. You just want to order a big glass of vodka. Sure, yeah. And suddenly it's like, everyone's like, wait, what have we been saying? Like, this is the most magical, wonderful beverage in the world. Why do you think, have you seen this? <sighs> yes, I have seen I have seen this. I, I totally agree. I think that like, it's a mixture of, I think it's a mixture of, I think gin was really mm. put down for a long time. I feel like I I feel like when I like five years ago I feel like outside of a gin and tonic I people would be like I'm not getting that it has gin in it like gin was very um. like poo pooed and I feel like that might be part of it and it's also hard for me to kind of part of it is like like I don't know how old you are but like for me part of it is also like five five years ago I was 24 and I feel like it was very much like a martini just is going to be $17. So like no one oh, okay. going to order it. Cause like that's out of budget. Whereas like now we're all a little bit older. Like we're making a little bit more money. Like, yeah, I want a fucking martini. And like, it's a different kind of <laughs> drinking. Do you know what I mean? I think that might be part of it for, so it's hard that for me sense. to like tell what is the, like what was like the scene and what was just like my kind of little bubble. Interesting. But I think I also think it's like, I think that there was like when I moved, I moved to New York and uh, like almost eight, like almost eight years ago, and I feel like back then it was like we were kind of at the peak of like the really intense fancy cocktail boom of like mm-hmm. the you're like really pretentious, really kind of exclusive, very male dominated like mm-hmm. speakeasy fancy cocktail thing like. Suspenders bow ties, yeah. It, you yes, <laughs> I just had a chill in my spine in a bad way, but it's like. I feel like it was like you could get that or like cocktail bars where they were saying like they have no idea what they're doing, right? And right. now I feel like and or like five bars where it's like you shouldn't order like a martini's gonna get shaken. Like it's just oh, like, yeah. you know what I mean? And I think that like as much as I resented those places, I do think their popularity seeped down so that now a lot more places meet in the middle where it's like mm-hmm. if you're at a solid restaurant in New York, like they're gonna know how to make a martini, right? They're gonna like everything the general knowledge standard has maybe gone up in a way that it's like, there are going to be more delicious. Cause like a bad martini is um, bad, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's an, also, one of the yeah. things about moving to Portland that was so nice uh, is I feel like here it's one of those cities, a little like New York, where if you go to a normal restaurant here, they're going to make you a great cocktail. I think there's yeah. a lot of, no matter where you go, you can kind of be guaranteed really good food and drinks here, which has been really, oh, really nice. Yeah, um, I, like, I feel like I remember like a cocktail bar when I worked at the Knickerbocker, they hired mm-hmm. these like very fancy cocktail consultants to come in and like do all the things. And it's like, their big like their company's like big selling point of like their sort of like revolutionary thing was like bringing bringing back the practice of refrigerating vermouth like oh my god and i was like and like it's just like that's and now it's like yeah that you have to keep it in the refrigerator it goes yeah no one knows that it goes bad and it's like it's just so funny how like i do feel like the general knowledge level was a little bit lower totally totally it's also you feel like you kind of want to go back in time and be like I am this brilliant genius. <laughs> Put the vermouth in the fridge. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's great. Yeah. Uh, how about were there um, were there any books that you kind of got into originally, or were you more of a like I learning be- as you go? Yeah, I think because it was my job, I was like, I'm not doing homework. Like, I'm not <laughs> on the clock. I'm not putting hours in. Um, and also because like it was always a confusing thing for me because like as much as I loved bartending and as much as I was into it and I was working at like great spots that I was hustling. I also was like, I am an actor and a comedian and that was like what I was always trying to do. So I was always like, it was constantly like mitigating and negotiating how much energy this was taking that, up. Yeah. Um, has there been a good intersection there at all? Like has bartending helped you in any way there? Has, yeah. I mean, I I'm feel sure like the first, comedy has probably helped you as a bartender. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I think that like, um, Sorry, are you asking me how com- being a comedian has helped me bartending? or the Kind of like, is there a relationship between the two of them? Has there been carryover? I think that they are both... Why one? I think one, quite practically, is they both require... Um, you have to be mindful of, like, mixing your business and your pleasure. Like, both mm. when you're bartending and when you're doing comedy. Like, you're at bars and you're at clubs and you're at whatever. And, like, drinking can become part of the job or partying can become part of the job with both. And I think... You know, I definitely had that moment when I moved to New York and I was like working at a really hard restaurant and we were working till one, going out till four, sleeping to two, going back to work at four, you know, PM. And like that cycle makes you feel like you have been put through a meat grinder after like a month. And so I, I learned early and young, like, oh, I can't do that. Like I need to set up boundaries of like not going out super late every night, not letting this thing like consume me. And I think that that applies to comedy as well. I think they both kind of connect in that way. And I think I'm thankful I learned that when I was younger. And yeah, also like kind of the thing of like, when you're doing either you are, your energy and your personality is like part of the product. So you need to kind of conserve mm-hmm. it. You need to like take care of yourself and show up as you can you know what I mean and like I part of like there have been times like right at the end when I was bartending and doing comedy but my comedy career was like growing and so I was it was taking up more and more time I was starting to be really fried and really spread thin and I like Mm -hmm. I had a conversation with my boss at the restaurant where that's my fridge it's very loud if you hear it (laughs) (laughs) well I'm sure it has to make a lot of ice so I get it it does (laughs) But like, I kind of like hit a wall where I was like, oh, I've become a, this, I'm becoming a bad bartender and a bad team player and a Mm. bad, because like the energy just isn't there Mm -hmm. and I need to leave because of that. Like, I don't want to be the person who's like in a fucking bad mood and like stressed and can't handle it when someone is like, oh, sorry, I ordered this dry and you put one ounce of, you put a full (laughs) ounce of vermouth in it. Like, 
I can't be in a headspace where I want to kill them. For that. You know what I mean? So like, right. I, I was like, it's time for me to go. And I think that, yeah, that was well, learned from both. And you knew what you wanted to do. So it's, which was it's, a gift. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful. Um, another thing I'm really curious about with going out, I feel like going out in New York, it's hard mm-hmm. when you're like, so my, I have a sick family member, so I've been super, super quarantined. And I see people on Instagram still going out and I'm so jealous (laughs) and I am just miserable all the time watching them have fun without me. Um, Do you think New York is a little, I feel like everyone in New York in particular is out just like having the time of their lives. Is this, do you think it's true there or is it just something that we're kind of seeing online? I mean, I I mean, I think that FOMO like online breeds FOMO for sure. So like, I do think it probably looks a little bit more intense than it is online than it is online. But like, I will say like once like the vaccines hit and like everyone was kind of like vaxxed and especially once they were requiring them. So it's like, you could know for sure yes. if you were walking in okay. like every single person here is vaccinated. I feel like for me and my friends, that was kind of like, all right, no holds bar, like let's go. And then like with, you know, we just had the spike a few weeks ago. Um, and I feel like there was like a week where it, there was like two weeks where it was like, okay, we're not going out. Cause it's like, the holidays and everyone's getting it but like I also was in a friend group where like everyone got it like we all had it so then it's like yeah so now we're kind of yeah and so now we're kind of in this place where it's like well we all already had it so now we Uh can go out again so it's like I feel like it is kind of you got it all you got it out of the way nice in a in a way Yeah. yeah and so it does I mean people are it does feel a little bit differently now than it did like a month ago but yeah I mean people were like going out like especially this summer it was like no joke Summer is, yeah, I feel like that was like this beautiful time when everyone's vaccines were working pretty well. And yeah, we, we went out to the East Coast and we went to Connecticut and kind of all over New England. And then we went down to Atlanta. And then Amazing. then after that, it was like the, you know, the wall yeah, came up. The wall comes up. But when, <laughs> so when you do, when you are able to go out, uh-huh. how do you like to go out? Oh, my goodness. I, um right now, just, I, I feel like, do you ever have you ever gone out with like a, a dad who doesn't get to go out very often? Yeah. They're like so excited and they're out of control. This is all I can think of. I feel like I will be like doing shots and <laughs> dancing on the bar when I can go back out again. But um, generally speaking, we are very cocktail focused. Like if we're especially in a new city, um, I will look at bars that I'm excited about and uh, see where my friends have been drinking there. Um, Atlanta was really fun that way. It felt like a very cocktail-based uh, vacation. Yeah. So um, we go, we we look there, we get excited about the drinks. And then usually wherever the first spot is, if it's something that I like, I will ask people there where they like to go. And then we'll kind of go from place to place that way. Nice. Um, yeah. How about you? Do you have like a, a, I mean, New York is such a different animal, I think, too. Yeah, I don't do, I've never done the like, um, like pre-plan a trip like looking for where the cocktail spots are and I am I'm a little bit more of like a a creature of habit with my spots like I I'm trying now that I now that I host a podcast about going out in New York City I like was Mm -hmm. talking to a friend I was like I need to start like hitting up other spots because I really like on my the nights where I go out it's like I want to go to Bernie's and have their martini like there are places I want to go that I like love their stuff and I want to and I like there's certain rooms I really love and there's certain cocktails I really love or certain dishes I really love. And it's like, I'm a little bit of a glutton in the way where it's like, like. If you know you like something, you yeah, want there's that a restaurant the down. Yeah, yeah. There's a restaurant like a 10 minute walk from me called hearts that has this clam toast. That's like 
one of the best things I've eaten recently. So now I'm like, uh-huh. okay, I have to budget in like three times in the next few months where I'm going to go get the clam toast, which like takes over from other times where I could go to uh-huh. places. So Life I'm trying. Life is so hard, right? Like you have to go out and you drink these other new things. It's terrible. <laughs> I know. It's my job is awful. No, it's, I'm very lucky, but like, it's like, but yeah, I'm trying to get better about going out and finding, like trying new things. Like, and mm-hmm. I have a list of places. I'm just bad about. I'm bad about going to them, uh-huh. right? But I'm getting, I'm getting better. I'm definitely getting better. I love, I love a dinner into a bar. That's like my mm-hmm. favorite. My favorite night out is that something. And I think it's because I'm starved for it because it's so cold in New York right now. Uh-huh. My favorite thing to do period is to maybe make plans with like a few friends or like another couple or whatever meet up for like a brunch and have mm-hmm. that sort of be the only plan but with the acknowledgement like we've all booked the day out and yes. like, we're just gonna see where it goes so like uh-huh. brunch maybe leads to a drink here leads to like a snack here leads to dinner here and then you're like home by like nothing crazy maybe like 11 30 unless I mean who knows maybe it goes all night but like usually it's like home by 11 but it's like damn we had a fucking day like we did yeah. you know and those that, are the best days those are the best days for me so that's like what I really crave yeah what uh- are Gosh, you're I'm making curious. me miss this so much. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I'm like really dangling the carrot. It's also of. hard too because we moved here during we moved to Portland during a pandemic. So right. my only friends are like my parents. So our big yeah. going out night is like martinis, and they're trying to teach us bridge again. Um, <laughs> Honestly, I'm not gonna lie. That sounds fucking fun. Like learning it bridge. Is, and, it is t- so fun. But like all fun. my friends from San Francisco, from LA, they're they've all done the same thing. So it's like even if you go back someone's in Chicago and someone's in Arizona and someone's, you know, in New Hampshire. Um, so it's, it's, but yes. I'm curious because like you obviously on your channel and like on your page and whatever, you make a ton of different kinds of cocktails from different like families of cocktails and like Uh also like time periods of cocktail, um, like trends, I guess. Uh But what do you prefer? Like, what are you actually drawn to? It's really changed over time. I, I initially, the moment you had your Negroni, I had that moment with uh, my first bourbon. Um, I was living in Kentucky for oh, a brief cool. period of time. And I, you know, in high school, we drank like cheap vodka and it was miserable. And then someone handed me, um, I'm so glad there aren't, there weren't, I'm, I'm older. There weren't people filming all the time back then <laughs> because someone handed me a bottle of bourbon and I just kept drinking. I was like, what is this? Why has this been kept from me my whole life? Why have we been drinking this other horrible thing? Uh, so um, that definitely was was huge for me. And I loved whiskey cocktails for a very long time. I still love whiskey cocktails, but I think martinis and um, savory cocktails, I really, really love that. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of all over. I love I love martinis. I I love um, I still do love some whiskey cocktails. And then I've been really into caipirinhas lately. So oh, it really so is very good. mood dependent. And whatever is fresh, I'm really into going and picking fresh fruit. I really love drinking seasonally. So nothing's yeah. more exciting. No cocktail is more exciting than like the one where you were out in the field, like picking lavender or something, and then you bring it home. And you're like, totally. what am I going to do with this? Yeah. Uh, totally. so that's been great in Oregon. Oops, sorry, headphone. No, nope. <laughs> uh, that's been great in Oregon too because there's so many. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I love how you. I also the you you mentioned like you have a love of history that you kind of like tied into that. I will drink pond water if it has a good story <laughs> behind it. I think like totally. uh, the Hemingway cocktail book um, to have and have another. 
he was diabetic so many of his cocktails will be like two ounces of gin half an ounce of coconut water and an ounce of lime like wildly wildly unsweet not very balanced that way but i'm drinking them because i'm like the way he described it in the book sounds so beautiful i have to enjoy this that's so I just funny have to. um so that's definitely huge uh, i love the the history aspect of it as well yeah i think that's something really special is like and not just like there is like there's the history of the place like the tying of in you know like it's i when i go to new orleans i'm gonna order a sazerac Mm -hmm. because that obviously has this like beautiful rich history there or whatever and i think that's all so fun but i also love like building your own personal history with different drinks Mm -hmm. you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like uh, like negronis will always remind me of that that cocktail bar back in burlington and like i had a crazy night like a very crazy story with Caparinas in Portugal. And that's like what the second you said Caparinas, it like warmed my heart for that reason. I think like cocktails also have this really magical quality in that where like you can kind of tie your own memories to them with specific ones. That's, like martinis are maybe so a little true. too ubiquitous to tie one to, but some of the more esoteric ones. Right. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, but like a Gibson, one of my friends, um, it was, he was one of the people I knew who always ordered a Gibson and watching him always go like wanting the Gibson and he'd always like, eat the onions in a particular way. And I was like, this is so cool. So every time I have a Gibson, I always think of him and it's like, you know, part of the fun there. So I agree. That's so fun. Do you have any, I'm curious, do you have any like, one, I'm like, okay, I just have two questions. One, do you have any like very stalwart cocktail opinions that you're like, everyone Mm. can do what you want, but like, I I really won't budge on this. And then I guess my other one- uh, yeah, answer that one first and then I- <laughs> Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't feel like I have a ton. I mean, I have some for myself. Like, sure. I hate egg cocktails. I hate them. I hate them so much. I think so that many they- people do. And oh. I'm pissed because I used to love them. And then my friend, my friend was like, I hate the way they smell. And I was like, what they are you talking like about? They smell like dog breath. Yeah. Uh. I was like, what are you talking about? And then it was so funny. That night I went out to Missy, and which is this like great pasta restaurant in Brooklyn. Uh-huh. My friend was the manager at the time and they sent us egg white cocktails and I like was drinking it and I smelled and I was like, God fucking damn it, Charlotte, you ruined this. Like now I can't <laughs> unsmell it. Like I never once clocked the smell of egg white cocktails, but I can still uh, work. And people it. like but put I, bitters on it and stuff. And it never worked for me. Somebody said at, where was I? Uh, the Normandy club in LA that if you keep lavender in with your eggs, that it can permeate the eggshell and get that. rid of the smell. So I have no idea. I haven't tried it, but it, it is worth trying. Um, but then like even eggnog, I'm just not an egg. I don't like eggs in general. So that really bums me out. But most totally. of the time, like, you know, there are things like I'd like my martini stirred, but people want things their own way. I'm not gonna, I also will probably, I never send anything back. I Same. tend to like, if someone like likes it this way or they think it's that way, it's not like this is the last drink I'm ever going to have. I can shut up and drink it or I can shut up and just not drink it and not order another one. But yeah. I also think, and I don't, maybe this is like controversial, but I also think that that should be a conversation that is happening more among like teaching people about drinking culture and te- teaching people about like bars and whatever is like, and I've taught a lot of my friends this and I know I taught my boyfriend this, but it's like, you got to read the room and like literally yeah. the room you're in, in terms of like what you order. Cause it's like, like I have one friend who I hope they don't know that it's them that I'm talking about when <laughs> I say this, but it's like, they can get kind of very specific because they are a bartender mm. about things. And I'll be like, you, you shouldn't have fucking ordered a Manhattan here. Like that's not right. what, the, like you should have known that this isn't, and it's not, it's not any shade to even the people working. Cause it's like, 
this is a margarita bar. They're not going to no, They have no business with knowing how to like really properly make a Manhattan. And that's okay. Totally. Like, why did you order that? And it's like, I think, <laughs> and I have that all the time. It's like, maybe I'm really in the mood for a martini, but like, if I'm at like, I don't know if there's a martini on the menu, that's different. But like, if I'm just right. see that they have gin, I'm not going to order a martini if I don't think it's like going to be done well, because I don't want to send it back. I, I never would, but I also don't want to drink right. something I'm not going to like. So it's like, read where you are. Yeah. I mean, and I sometimes will do it even just full well knowing like, what am I getting myself into? But then also oh, going like, you're learning about like, for me, since I'm not a bartender, you don't need to do this. You know how people drink, how people order. You have a very good sense of this. I don't always as someone who just makes drinks at home sure, or goes out yeah. themselves. So sometimes it'll be like fun for me to re- like order martini and then there's sweet vermouth in it. And I'm like, okay, I guess this is the thing. So <laughs> totally, like, it's, yeah. it's part of like the fun. So it's the unexpected part and uh, where people kind of sit, what they like even like, maybe this is this person's favorite drink. They don't really know it's not the same thing, but you know, I could learn something new. No, and it is fun to like approach, like I like that you also kind of celebrate the not having the very, no, it has to have this or it has to be done this way because I think, you encounter a lot as a bartender, someone being like, oh no, you made my drink wrong because of this. And it's like, oh no, like actually like maybe the bar you get this at a lot does it that way. But like we, you know what I mean? We don't do it that way. Like, you know, even I've had people be like, oh, you made my Cosmo wrong because it has to be roses, lime juice, like, or something like that. Like this cocktail traditionally is made with roses, lime juice. And I'm like, oh, maybe like some people do that, but like we do use fresh lime and like, that's just how it goes. And like, knowing and approaching with that mentality of sort of like this is how this one tastes and it's different than and enjoying that kind of experience I think is very nice yeah I I totally agree uh it's 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 how you that's one of the number one things I've also missed during quarantine the unexpected I know exactly how my cocktails are going to taste I'm making (laughs) them uh and it's been a very long time since again I was listening to your first one and you mentioned a chicken fat martini that you make it was so good I can't really make that at home the same way. I mean, especially because my cooking skills are not great. I can't make that. I can't have that. I want to have that. And just these like little bits of inspiration you get from going out and meeting new people and just kind of stumbling into a bar and finding this magical new thing. Uh, Miss it so much. But that sounds delicious. That is part of that. Oh, it was my crowning achievement. I thought it was, I think about it all the time and I miss it every day. It was so I have a very crappy martini that that, uh, is similarly uh i love that i find very enjoyable uh, that i call a junk food martini i'm very excited where i infuse sea salt and vinegar potato chips into the gin um fat wash them if it's too oily and then i just have like the most uh stuffed olives with like fresh garlic blue cheese uh, bacon and it's absolutely a guilty pleasure but i love the sea salt and vinegar potato chips so anyway (laughs) Do you use sweet vermouth with that, or are you just chilling? Like, how? Or I, I'm I sorry, dry vermouth. That's what I meant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that sounds. <laughs> it's fantastic. very. It's not an everyday drink, but every now and then, if I'm craving something very, very salty, it's it's kind of a fun one to pull out. Yeah, it almost sounds like a clarified Bloody Mary. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's got yeah, and if if you, I love the vinegar, I love salt, salt, salt. So, yeah. Anyway. And then do you have any, I'm curious, do you have any opinions about cocktails that are like controversial? Like most people do it this way, but I prefer it this way. Mm. Huh. I don't know if I do. I think, um, I mean, I have some things like I I like my espresso martinis a certain way. And I think some people feel very strong. Like I don't like a creamy one. I like it 
uh, in a very kind of simple, simple fashion. Um, like you don't like it made, you don't like it shaken to frothy or you don't like a dairy. Oh no. Like when people like dairy or like a creamy liqueur in there. Yeah. We don't need that. Yeah. We don't need that. Um, and, uh, so that, that's one where I'm, I'm very like into one version and not the other, but generally speaking, I'm a big, you know, kind of drink what I get, experiment, try new things. (laughs) Uh, and, um, yeah, egg white. Egg white's really egg is where I yeah. draw the line. How about you? Do you have anything where you're like, I know it's controversial, but I only want citrus from like little plastic uh, bottles, and you can't tell me that, otherwise. <laughs> I'm. I. What's funny is I asked you this question, but I did not for one second think if I had any. Um, <laughs> I um, I don't know. I don't. Um, I don't love, okay, here's one. I don't love, a garnish needs to do something Mm, for me. Functional garnishes only. I really prefer like a functional garnish. Like, like my friend, like if, like, if you want me to like smell mint when I'm sipping this, so you put a big like bunch of mint in the top and it adds to the drink, like great. And like, but I sometimes I look at garnishes and I'm like, and I think this comes from being a cocktail bartender. Where I'm like, that's a lot yeah. of work for nothing a little bit with certain things. Yeah. So I want to feel like the garnish is a little integrated or something really fucking stupid and silly, like having your straws with umbrellas on them. Like I love something like that. That's silly, but doing like a ton of garnish for no, like uh, that's not like integrated into the drink sometimes annoys me because I'm mostly yeah. just feeling for the bartender. It doesn't actually affect me as the patron really but i do think i feel for the bartender in those situations that that makes perfect sense i'm totally the opposite <laughs> i'm not totally the opposite. functional garden no, is but- great but i am like oh it's accessorized <laughs> so nice Oh, of course. But the thing is, again, you're talking about you, your POV is making cocktails at home a lot of the times, right? Like mm-hmm. is so like that, of course, celebrates and like, yeah. And I think I mean, and it'll I'll, cost more. It's inconvenient. It's I mean, I t- it can also be harmful. Sometimes these random garnishes that are pretty can be poisonous or weird or just I not know, help right? at all. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And I think like, one of I my guess. friends on Instagram garnished with a, a little mini cactus on the drink. I was like, even for me, like that's too much. <laughs> I that's can't gonna be, be putting, very hard to drink. <laughs> I can't be putting cactuses on a drink. That's just not <laughs> going to happen at all for me. <laughs> um, I think like, yeah, I think that's maybe like my only thing I can think of. That's like really, I don't love. Um, oh, I got. I would say like. Here, okay, I got in a, um, <laughs> I got in like a, a, essentially like a fight with another bartender once where, um, it's my friend Stacy who is, um, like so wildly more qualified than me as a bartender. She's like a beverage director of like a restaurant group in New York. She's like fucking killing it. Her cocktails are incredible. But I once mentioned that I order, I order martinis with an in and out. That's like my preferred method of a martini. Mm-hmm. And she was disgusted by me for that. She was like, an in and out is fake. It doesn't leave any martini. It doesn't leave any vermouth behind. It is like pearly performative. Like you might as well order them bone dry. And at that point you're just drinking cold gin. And I was like, I don't agree. I think that there is something added. I think there is a little left behind. And I think it's also for me, I really, I want the most subtle kiss of vermouth. And I don't Mm -hmm. want, I want it kind of like experience the gin more than I want to experience the vermouth. And so yeah. 
it's like kind of erring on the side of caution. Like I probably would appreciate a little more vermouth in an in and out, but if I order an in and out at a bar, I know I'm not going to get a more wet martini than I want. Yeah. But she you, was like, there's one side where you, if you err too far on one side, it's going to be much more upsetting for you than the other. So exactly. And so she kind of made me feel like she was like, no bartender should ever be doing that. And I was like, okay, maybe that's my controversial opinion that I do think you can order a, a, a martini with an in and out. Yeah, I, I I think that there's tremendous historical precedence for it as well. I'm I'm Thank I'm you. with you. <laughs> very 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 much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I and I think martinis. I mean, that's part of what's so fun too. I I think that I mean, I have my way where like I definitely want it a certain way, but also what's yours? Part I'm of curious. What's so fun? I, I mean, I tend to like it very dry. Um, I'm very big on cold. Who isn't? Uh, and then the gin, I switch out a lot. My ideal is I like the old Raj Blue, very dry, uh, with Gibson onions. Ideally, like house-made, house-pickled onions that are really special. Yeah. It makes my day. How about so you? dry gin. Um, gin, usually, except every once in a while, I'll switch it up and do vodka. Um mm-hmm. But usually gin, um, unless my one of my favorite things ever is Zubrovka, like Polish bison grass mm. vodka. Have you ever mm-hmm. had it? Yes. Um, so if I ever see, I feel like you don't see it that often. And so that's always like a little treat for me. If I see that on the back bar, I'm definitely getting a dry martini of that. Like that. And that's nice. like my treat for, I feel like I, I feel like I find it like once a year. Like it's a very rare uh-huh. thing and it's always very exciting. But usually gin, dry, um, and I'm lemon twist always. I love lemon, lemon twist, twist always. I, yeah. I really like the lemony oils. I really enjoy it. Orange bitters or no? I'll do it. Like that's kind of like a fun, like, oh yeah, sure, tonight we'll do orange bitters. And like sometimes no. But I, you know, that's kind of a fun little twist. I'm happy to go either way on that. Nice. Yeah. Oh. That's kind of my approach. I do I like that. So what has been your like worst night out of the last like let's say of New York, do you have a worst night out story? A worst night out ever in New York? Yeah. Um, Are you willing to I, share it? Is it too <laughs> scary? Is it not allowed? <laughs> no, it's definitely allowed. I'm trying to think because there's like there's different kinds of worst nights, right? There's like right. the night where like you I don't know like maybe a date didn't go the way you want or like mm-hmm. or then but then there's also the nights where you just like definitely drank like way too much. Right. Um, I think. Oh, and I know. Sometimes those nights are like both the best and the worst at the same time. So I, re- I think my worst, one of my worst was I, <laughs> one of my worst was I, um, I went with my sister to see Adele at Madison Square Garden and it was, it's like a long story, but essentially my sister's friend's, um, mother works for an insurance, like a very, yeah, who I'd never <laughs> met before. My sister's friend, friend's mother, works for this insurance company that has a box at Madison Square Garden. Mm. And my sister really, really, really wanted to go see Adele. I had already seen Adele in, like, a very small venue before she had become, like, the megastar she is. So I was like, Maddie, I'm not really trying to pay, like, a bunch of money to see Adele in, like, a stadium when I've already seen her, like, up close. My sister was like, well, my friend can get us these seats in the box and we can, um, like, it'll be pretty cheap and I, maybe I'll get you your ticket for your birthday. And I was like, okay, fine. So I ended up, like, going with my sister. She bought these tickets for us to go see Adele together. And the morning of the show, she texted me and she was like, oh, by the way, dinner's at five. And I was like, what dinner? And she was like, oh, we're getting dinner with my friend and her whole family before this. Ah. And I was like, I was like, no one told me that and I don't yeah. want to do that. <laughs> yeah. And so... 
I go to this dinner and it was at one of those, like, like it's one of these like huge restaurants that kind of like is their business is built around like the pre Madison square garden, pre Broadway. Mm, theater crowds. Mm-hmm. And they, I get there and I'm like, hi, it's like, I think the table's under this name. And they're like, Oh sure. And they brought me to the table and it was like a nine top table with no one else on it. They hadn't arrived yet. So now oh, I'm sat this. alone at this table and this that like everything about this is a disaster my sister then texted me after i got seated and they were she was like um we're stuck in traffic it says we're not going to get there for an hour and now i'm taking up this like eight top table at like prime uh, dinner time and i'm like and suddenly no. you find yourself desperate to meet this family you don't know that you weren't well, more so i'm like desperate to not have the waiter hate me because like even right. though the waiter should hate everyone who's not there they're gonna like mm-hmm. i'm the face of this party of people i've never right. met before and i just remember him being like well can i get you i was like i'm really sorry but i think everyone else in this party is gonna be very late and i could tell he was annoyed rightly so because it's like a lot of money out of his pocket and i was like he was like can i get you something to drink and i looked over his shoulder and pina it was there was like a pina colada special and i was like you know uh-huh. what fuck it i'm having a pina colada I love and this vision of you at a nine-top table <laughs> truly. drinking pina colada. It was a round table. I'm at the center just drinking a pina colada. And then, like, he just every – I think because he was like, well, I'm going to get as much money off this table as I can. Every 10 minutes was like, would you like another? And I was like, fuck it, sure. <laughs> so by the, And then I was like, okay, I'm going to close out this tab before that they get here so they don't know I was, like, drinking pina coladas waiting for uh-huh. them. And then I'll just drink water with dinner and, like, everything's going to be fine. Long story short, they showed up, like – and I before I got the waiter's attention and then I was like I'm just gonna have water with dinner I had like a drink when I was waiting and then they were like they were like no no no, you gotta get a beer and I was like fine so then like now I'm drinking beers with dinner because they wouldn't let me not drink the check comes I'm so drunk at that point that I forgot that we had to go to a show after and I was like oh no and then someone was like who had four pina coladas and I was like me like it was just humiliating and then we went to Adele it was a disaster we like I fell down and I was like I need to go and then I just remember trying to get a taxi because the trains were messed up outside Madison Square Garden immediately after an Adele concert Uh and I I couldn't find a taxi I think it took me an hour and a half to find a car and I was like crying to myself and I was tired and I didn't feel good and I was like this is awful. So I wouldn't say it's like one of my worst nights out just because my sister and I really love the story of the night together, but I would say it's maybe one of my poorest showings, you know. Sometimes those nights are, yeah, at the time they're the most miserable experience of your life, but looking back, you're like, thank God we somehow did Midori shots at brunch that led to, you know, our (laughs) like sitting on the curb, you know, anyway. It was when I was a little bit younger and I think now like it's I can see all the ways I went wrong. It's like when I saw that there was a nine top and they were like, hey, you're not coming. I should have been like, hey, just move me to the bar. Like you mm-hmm. you need to get this table back. Like this family's late. Like I should have done that. I shouldn't have. I should have like switched to water, even though the the waiter clearly didn't want me to. Like there's a lot of things I should have done. And I learned because I think I was like 23 at the time. Um, so I, I definitely learned and grew from that experience. I love it. Um, what do you have? Do you have one? Uh, there's so many to choose from. Um, <laughs> the and they usually start with the exact scenario you were talking about with like the boozy brunch. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like that just leads to more bad decisions down the way. Um, but uh, yeah, I would I would have to say one of them was one of my friend's birthdays. We started there. We got him some horrible shots. I can't. It was a, it was like a college bar. We were far too old. We were yeah, like yeah, yeah. 29. We went. He wanted to go to this like college bar. We were doing shots in the morning. 
somehow we ended up at a dive bar. It was like 2 p.m. Then in some sort of karaoke place I'd never been to in an area we'd never been to. Shoes were lost somehow. And, you know, it was 6.30 p.m. And we were in, in some diner we'd never. particular hell. <laughs> You're like, and then somehow you like get to a point and it was probably like 6.30 at night where we all kind of came to at the same time and we're like, were we abducted? How did we get here? What What is this? What, wh- who ordered this food? Where are we? So uh, bad and good. The other one, I would say, I had no idea that going to the spa before drinks is very dangerous. Really? Like actually medically dangerous, guys? Like, medically you, you need dangerous. to drink a lot of water. <laughs> yes. And I had gone to a spa and gotten a massage, taken a bath, been in the steam room. And it was yeah, my no, birthday. No, no. This was my birthday gift. Oh, so all honey. my friends were together <laughs> buying me drinks and uh, not my finest hour. Disaster. Um, disaster. Yes, absolute disaster. I have never been more embarrassed, uh, but survived. So You survived. Okay, one last question, because it's, we have sadly, this went by so fast, this was so fun talking, I don't get to, like, a lot of times we're like, it's like, I, I've had a lot of, you know, chefs and comedians and stuff on, but like, I haven't had a, co- you're my first, like, cocktail nerd, and this was, like, <laughs> really fun for, like, the nerdy, let's get into, like, the meat of it, and I've loved, so I'm curious, my last question, is there, like, is there something that you would encourage that you feel like doesn't get the shine it deserves that you would be like, everyone should be trying this. Like here's like a thing that just doesn't get the shine it deserves. So this is a, this is a one where I think bartenders would see this as uh, something that is just a given, but that I think home bartenders, if there's one, it's a practically free tip, like free thing you can do. It's so so easy, but I've noticed with most of my friends' kitchens, when I go there, this happens every single time. It's hard to use too much ice, but it is very easy to use too little ice and nothing will make a bigger difference to your drink. Um, so frequently I'll go over and I'll say, do you guys have ice? And I'll get them like, yeah, yeah, we've got tons. And there's six little cubes in the thing and they're expecting to have martinis all night. Just have lots of ice. It, it's just, you can't have too yeah. much. And I would expand that. Like if I'm like, I like if I'm going to a party and I know like as the, the bartender, like if people have kind of like fallen on me, like if I know I'm going to be making the drinks, I'll go grab yeah. two bags of ice on the way. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm you have to. like a thing. I always show up with extra ice, but it is something that like, and also that ice isn't going to be, yeah. You, I also, the, if you buy bagged ice, like, especially for like something like that, like it's not going to have the flavors of like the fish that was in the freezer in it. Like it's also Absolutely. a little bit cleaner. Cleaner and um, yes. Yeah, so I would say that and then in terms of like ingredients or anything like that, um, gosh, I think, you know, playing around and, and finding what you like is so important. Uh, I don't think That's there are true. any, I think certain things like people go, when I first started, I think new bartenders go for bitters really hard. For some reason, we're all like bitters are the yeah. thing that changes. So we get like 10 million bitters. I don't know. Like I might be more inclined to like buy different types of spirits than like buy 500 bottles of bitters, but yeah. Yeah. And also like, if you buy something, like if you, I feel like some people will be apprehensive to buy something like, like a Capaletti or like a, a Suze or like a Midori or something like Midori is maybe a little proprietary, but like, <laughs> but like, or like even like Aperol and they're kind of like, Oh, well like that's a lot of money to spend on a bottle. That's just for this one thing. And it's like, no, but when you buy something like that, it enables you to play like where you can yes. like, you know, cause now I have like a bunch of random bottles of stuff in the apartment. And so now it's kind of like, if my boyfriend's like, I'm in the mood for a cocktail tonight, I can kind of like go look over and be like, okay, I can kind of like ramshackle fashion, some sort of like 
margarita adjacent thing because there's limes in the kitchen and oftentimes it ends up being like fucking delicious and unique and something i've never had before by way of just like what we've had from buying stuff yeah there are very few bottles i've regretted buying and it's you can always find something fun to do with it and it it kind of unlocks different parts of your kitchen like you're saying like totally but yes that that would be how about you so you're thinking yeah just kind of go for it with with the bottles and and if you like an aperol spritz buy the aperol and do other stuff with it sort of thing I would say people forget that there are pint-sized bottles of a lot of things. So ah, you can also, like, if tip. you're curious about something, buy a smaller bottle of it. Sometimes they're behind the counter. But I think, like, I totally, like, if you're curious about experimenting with stuff, like, yeah, Bolts Geneva's weird. See if there's a smaller bottle of it. You know what I mean? Something like that. That's a that's great like, idea. I never yeah, do. I, I should do that more. I think that's, like, a really great move. And I would say the ice thing is really pro. Um, and um well, i'm trying to think like i think there's like one that i think is glaringly that i'm forgetting oh like if you're making martinis at home just give yourself even glass cools quickly just throw your glasses in the freezer for just absolutely even for like two minutes it's gonna help it, that that's a great one and i would also say i mixing glasses are nice um it feels like a luxury but it's way easier than a than a, a shaker and and uh something that i find like when i went to visit connecticut I went to three different uh, stores and no one had them uh, and it was crazy, but worth, they're so cheap on Amazon. Just grab one. It's, it's nice. <laughs> also, I would say this is my last one is it's really easy to make a simple syrup with something fun in it. Like literally if you have sugar and water, throw something else in there and like make a fun flavor and it takes so two true. seconds. And that so like true. is a really, that's a really easy way if someone kind of annoyingly, if like one of your friends is being like, can you make a cocktail for this party? It's like, yeah, I'm going to make like a very simple cocktail, but I'm going to throw something in the simple syrup that makes it feel like a black pepper simple syrup. Now it suddenly feels like esoteric and weird. Right, right. Really oh, one of my and favorites. Also it is delicious. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorites is an Earl Grey syrup because somehow everything, it's like the easiest oh. syrup to make. And then as soon as you do it, it's like, this isn't an old fashioned. This is an Earl Grey old fashioned. And then Genius. people are like, oh, I love it. But yeah, it, totally love that. And you can even make a lot of them in your microwave. Like for, for the people Damn. who are, you know? So that's, that's, that's like an extra college cocktail hack. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. Well, this has been truly such a delight. Thank you so much for doing the show. And thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Yes. And I hope one day soon you're able to get out and maybe I'll see you at a bar somewhere. Me too. (laughs) We have East Coast plans and I will be hoping to drink absolutely all over New York. (laughs) Okay. Gorgeous. Vine Vine Pair will meet meet up with you. We'll have a great night. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Going Out with Jake Cornell. If you could please go and rate and review us on whatever you're listening to this on, that would be really gorgeous for me in a huge way. So thank you. And now for some credits. Going Out with Jake Cornell is recorded in New York City and produced by Keith Beavers and Katie Brown. The music you're hearing is by Darby Seesai. The cover art you're probably looking at was photographed by M. Cooper and designed by Danielle Grinberg. And a special shout out to Vine Pair co-founders Josh Mallon and Adam Teeter for making all of this possible. 